Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Believe in the fight game. Hello, everyone. This is Charles Yao with Believe in the Fight Game on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team and every sport in LA and more. We believe in sports. Do you believe? This is such a heavy loaded uh, episode. I'm excited because I've been admiring Luta Gear and what you guys have been doing from a distance. But I do want to paint a picture for the listening and viewing audience, like a bit of the history. Um, maybe we'll start with um, Eddie since you're at the top left. Um, what, what, how did you find JJ? Were you training in jiu-jitsu before? Is this your first discipline? Yeah, uh, I was training in JKD, and I started at Cats Magda's Magda Institute. And um, the first UFC broadcast and i had a big watching party at my house i said wow this is really cool because at the time um there was multiple martial arts you know thai kickboxing jkd all that stuff and with every martial art kind of claiming that they were the most superior the most deadly (laughs) i figured jkd was kind of like a mixture of all of them and so we watched the first ufc and i was like oh my god this is a like a scientific experiment that really kind of tells you what's the most effective. And um, as to quote Eddie Bravo, this Iranian guy beat everybody. (laughs) (laughs) uh, His name was Hoist Gracie and just, it just clicked. And I was like, wow, yeah, you take all these people to the ground and now it's like uh, somebody that can't swim in water. You know, it's, it was amazing. I I signed up the next weekend down in Torrance at uh, Hoist Gracie's place. Oh. him and Horian's place um, on Carson. And that was like an hour drive for me. And I was trying to find out if there's a place closer. And uh, they said, well, this is, I mean, they were, they were right. This is the only place to learn Gracie Jiu Jitsu. So, um, <laughs> but then I actually called up Cass, my, my old uh, JKD instructor and he said, oh, what are you doing these days? I said, oh, I'm driving down to Torrance. I'm looking for a closer place that, that teaches Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And they said, oh, the Machados are up here. And I'm like, what? And I immediately found uh, Judge Ox and uh, never, never looked back. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and for the black belt of the interview of the trio <laughs> right now, Neil, how, how did yeah. you was, – was jiu-jitsu your first discipline? No, actually um, – the very, very absolute first discipline was Taekwondo, actually. That's like a purple as a kid. And then, uh, and then I wanted to, uh, you know, the movies like Bloodsport came out where there was an intriguing aspect of Muay Thai, you know, like uh, as, as um, you know, Paulo Tocha would show in the, in, the, in the movie Bloodsport. I was like, wow, that's so cool. And then, um, and I know that Cass Nagda was teaching it. Because I, I lived not, I was actually... Uh, Eddie and I happened to be training at the Magda Institute. Uh, you may have overlapped <clears throat> presence there. So, but I don't know. If, I don't know if he met me or we met each other or you know. Yeah, we might have. Like, we didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there. no way to tell. I mean, but it's so long ago. So I went there because uh, the the things that that like appealed to me were the Muay Thai, the uh, uh, Kali, uh, the Silat 
you know, boxing and, and stick fighting. So, uh, yeah, stayed there for a little bit. And then, um, then I did some boxing in, in West Hollywood with a, a, where I opened a gym called Jab City with, with uh, Marcus Johnson uh, for, for a year. And then we, you know, went our separate ways. And, uh, and then uh, I just did some random training here and there, boxing, kickboxing. And then I, uh, jiu-jitsu came, came as, um, as I got sober. Because I, I, I'm currently, this year, I, I, I turned 19 years sober. Congrats. Um, thank you. And that was one of the things that, that you know, when, when you get sober, like one of the things you uh, look forward to is the, 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 the opportunity to reshape yourself. And I had some kind of a block, uh, a block as to what I could actually do. I didn't think that GC was for me because... I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not committed enough. I'm not, you know, whatever enough. And I was like, here I am. I'm sober now. There's no excuse. It's time to do it. So I started training with John Machado, uh, John Jock's brother, and uh, Miracle Mile. And, uh, and then he moved from Miracle Mile to, call, to, to the Grove, and then from the Grove to Culver City. And then at the time, uh, my wife was pregnant with our second child, and uh, Jean-Jacques, we were living in the valley and Jean-Jacques was around the corner and I was like spending like two hours in traffic to get to and from John Machado's. So I was like, I need to make, you know, more time to be at home. And uh, that's when I moved to Jean-Jacques. That was, um, let's say, 07, 08. I came there as a purple belt. I'm going to make a statement and I want you guys to react to it because I feel like people who were maniacal about like stand-up arts understand BJJ and interpret it differently. Like I'm not talking about hubad, lubad, lopsal, poxal, straight blast. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the congruency of wanting to learn everything and what's the most effective versus someone who's just born, baby born out of jujitsu. Do you guys feel that it is a different vision and interpretation of jujitsu because you guys come from this, you know, being Southeast Asian, it's like, dude, you know, someone's going to stab me. I better learn how to parry run and, you know, check that. Or if someone kicks me, I better know how to check a kick or kick him in the balls. So do you guys, what are your thoughts about that statement about previous stand-up people now embracing the jujitsu mania are, are different in perspective? Eddie? Um, okay. it's, it's a great question because I can equate it to my day job. Okay. okay. So uh, I started off making monster stuff for movies, right? And we'd sculpt stuff out of clay and mold it, cast it in rubber and take it, put it in front of the movie camera and, you know, the, take it to the stage and the directors and all that stuff. They would shoot it. Then Jurassic Park came out. And that was like digital, it was all computers. And like, all of us were like, oh, my God, we're out of a job. You know, this thing's going to take away our living. And, and none of us know how to use a computer. Very similar for, for my personal experience. It was like stand-up, kick, punch, learning all this self-defense stuff. And, you know, big Bruce Lee fan. And that was so cool. And then, like I said, right after I saw the first UFC, I was like, oh, crap. I got to learn this other thing now and I've been training for years and thought this, you know, I was so badass and, 
and I it's just playing the scenarios through my head. It's like, yeah, what if somebody took me to the ground? They're like, well, I would just punch the shit out of them, you know, like, <laughs> you know, whatever. They wouldn't take me to the ground. And man, after my first few lessons at the Torrance Academy, I was just like, oh shit, I got to dedicate a lot of time to this new thing. It was frustrating, but at least I understood it and I knew this is going to be a long journey. But um, yeah, I mean, I think most people from stand-up or any kind of martial arts probably go through a similar thought process and it's like sink or swim, you know, it's like, are you going to be a complete fighter or not? Because it's such a big part of it. You know, if you're going to learn how to fight and then with the statement, 90% of fights go to the ground and Gracie, you just do an action videotapes. And it's sure enough. It's like, you think about it, it's like, yeah, I guess they probably do go to the ground and, and you're just like, damn, I gotta, I gotta get on this and spend a lot of time and money and dedication and, and, but I never look back. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So that, that's my personal experience. So. Um, Sir Neil. Yeah. Yeah. If I think for anybody, <clears throat> and I know a lot of the guys that, that, that the hardcore guys, you know, there's no question that you're passionate about combat, combat science. You know, if you've done anything, if it's, it's weaponry or striking and then, like Eddie keeps saying, I can relate. We, we, it was the, the UFCs definitely brought our attention to the grappling arts, you know, jiu-jitsu. So you just, and um, that was so impressive. That was like, well, if what I know isn't enough, I need to know what it is that's going to be. You know, I want to do what, what these guys are doing. You know, taking somebody down. And he's not even swinging at him. He's like controlling him, you know? And, and I was like, I mean, if you're serious at all about 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 fighting, that that just has to be you know part of your part of your your studies, my opinion. Yeah, and I and I personally feel it's always in the back of our mind. I I, I did six smoker fights, but wow, my first time training in jujitsu was with Alfred Sevilla, Roll Dogs. Yeah, oh, yeah. And um, there's an old school guy named Roger who looked a lot like Alfred. Also, they were both blue belts and I couldn't do anything. And like what Eddie and you guys probably may have thought like, dude, I'm going to knee you in the balls in the clinch. You're not going <laughs> to touch me. I've been taught to eye poke, spit at your face, throw my keys at you. You're not going to do anything to me. Okay. Okay. So let's just stop this. But you know, once you train once with, with jujitsu, it's just like, Oh, uh, it, it, not, not that we were duped, right? Like, you know, the, I, I still feel trapping is an excellent cheap shot art. If their hands yeah. are up, they're at the side, or if they're pissing, then you can trap and blast the shit out of someone. But I feel like with jujitsu, there's so much math to where, um, and this is where I'm going to lead into Luta Gear, is it, it takes people who have trained in striking arts, street defense, and that type of mentality, for me at least, because I'm 44, to trust someone will put out something that is for protection and maintenance, right? Like Luta Gear. So, right. so, so with that, that that's where I, I've been admiring both of you from afar for a long time. Um, it, it's awesome that you guys have like Russell Peters and so many endorsers. You know, I mean, Claudio Duval. I mean, you have Gordon Ryan, which is great. Um, let me just paint a little bit more for the grappling enthusiasts about your 
um, your, your grappling experience. Um, Neil, since uh, I, I believe you're in between schools of John Jocks because uh, how long you've been training in jiu-jitsu in general for, to, in order for you to get your black belt? Um, uh, or just in total for jiu-jitsu? All together, so it's 01 to 20, so uh, 19 years. 19 years. For you, Eddie, yeah. the totality with breaks um, for, for your jiu-jitsu history uh, and career. I started in 94, so right after the first UFC, and then I, I stopped for 10 years, and then I recently went back to John Jocks, I would say maybe seven years ago. Okay. Years ago. So how do you guys look at the, the new school people like Claudio Doval and – Gordon Ryan, or I mean, do you guys look at that and go, that, "That's a different jujitsu, man. That's so much more math than than what I know." How, how do you guys react to these new athletes that are working with you and you guys are sponsoring? For as far as for their jujitsu, yeah, they're like, um, there's the whole footlock thing. I I always thought of that as, uh, you know, old school guys are like. Uh, I don't know. There's a translation in Portuguese. It's like the dirty little thief. You know, it's like an easy, cheap shot. You know, oh, get the ankle, but but it, it works. And the and you know the the new guys, the, this generation of of, of jujiteros are 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 all over it, and it works for them. So it's like you know that that uh, what is that saying? Why why ignore the other half of the body? Uh, you know, so. Oh, 50%. Why ignore 50%? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you know that. Via Dean, Dean Lister, through yeah. Dean Lister, via John Danaher. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah, Dean Lister is great for the, for the foot attacks. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's, it's going to be always evolving. There's going to be something about it that we, that we um, you know, we're always learning. I mean, there's a lot that, that we're getting out of Zhenjak that you don't get from traditional uh, traditional. You know, I mean, Jinjak is a traditional system, but there's just it goes in depth. You know, in different different dynamics of the art that that kind of explore. You know, other than physical or geometric, or um, it's kind of almost like kinesthetic. But there's 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 so much more to it than, and so I always consider myself like a new student. Anyway, and and for the. For the purple belt who's in the middle of the fire of, of, the, of the new schoolisms, uh, how do you feel? Are you watching this evolution since you've been involved? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, I think it's exciting. Um, the thing I don't understand about footlocks is I remember seeing Gokord do it all the time. And back when he did it, it was kind of, I don't know, hush-hush amongst the schools and stuff. And, and taboo. Yeah, but he's like yeah. killing everybody. He's like, what? Well, and then I kind of just put it aside and just you know did the the training, and now the footlock stuff's coming back. I'm just like, but wait a minute, this guy did it like ten years ago, and nobody was making a big deal out of it, and now, now I don't know if there's been alterations to it or whatever, but I mean, I remember specifically going to a tournament. This is back when nobody was going to tournaments, and it was the seats were empty. And it took forever, but I think he was actually participating and he was, I think, tapping everybody out. <laughs> and so, so I saw that super early on and then, and then to see it kind of rise again. And I think it's cool that it's rising, but I think back then the, the biggest excuse was, 
oh, we don't train because uh, you get injured. You, feel, you, you get injured before you feel the pain. And that's what I was told. And then, oh, okay, I get it. And then I kind of never revisited that. But now to see it, the resurgence of it, and, you know, the Danaher death squad and all that, I think it's cool. I think, you know, it has to evolve. And, but for me, being an old guy that can't remember things very well, I'm just like, are you serious? I got to remember all these new techniques. And all this, <laughs> they're doing barum bolos and all this stuff. And like, oh my God, how am I going to deal with all this stuff? I can't even barely remember the stuff that I've been taught already. Um, but it is exciting. And being a creative person, I think it's so cool that a sport can actually evolve and create new uh, things to use and for your arsenal. It's, it's amazing. There's nothing like it. It's so cool. It's like, you know, basketball is pretty much the same as it's been, you know, but man, if they could have completely new things happen that, I mean, I just think it's, that's why I love it so much is there's still areas to invent and create and everybody's body's different and everybody has a different game. I mean, Eddie Bravo, I mean, just a whole new yeah. system, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm super excited about it. And I, and I love these kind of athletes that are, you know, pushing the boundaries and doing crazy new stuff. So it keeps it exciting. And that's why I think the sport just continues to grow. So, it sounds like at Cast Magda, you guys were so busy and striking. You guys were training at the same time, but never met. So how did you guys meet at, at Jean Jacques? Was it just like one of those, hey, let's spar, and then you guys built a chemistry conversation? How did that come about? Uh, you want me to take me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Jean Jacques, like any other jujitsu gym, you know, you're like a family. Everybody... You go there, you see, you see the guys you roll with often more times than your family, uh, probably similar to, to going to work and the, your, your workmates. So you always form a bond. And um, I was going up and I kind of knew Neil, didn't know him that well. We sparred one time and then uh, my finger got injured <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my, my ring finger kind of went sideways as I was, I was in guard and he jumped over his knee, like hit my finger. I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> that was the start of Ludicator. <laughs> and um, I went to a orthopedic doctor and he buddy taped my finger. And so I came back to training, taping my finger. I'm like, I'm not going to tape my finger every time I train. <laughs> so uh, being in special effects and stuff, you know, we have, fabricators and people that work with uh, fabrics and clothing and costuming. So I had them sew up this little neoprene kind of sleeve thing. And then I came back to train and this one guy was like, what is that? What are you wearing? And I'm like, Oh, it's this little thing that I had made. He's like, you can't buy that. I'm like, no. And he's like, well, I'm a lawyer. And if you don't market that thing, I'm going to steal your idea and patent it. I'm like, Oh, and he was being nice about it. You know, he's, basically sure. trying to urge me. So I immediately thought I'm going to go to Neil and see if he wants to help, you know, uh, spawn this thing and start it. So I said, Hey Neil, um, you know, do you want to, do you want to help do this? You want to form a company? Cause I'm, I'm super busy, you know, with other things and, and it'd be tough for me to do it on my own. 
And I said, and besides, it'd make a great story. You know, if this were ever successful, we could, you know, go on interviews and tell people how we started the company. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, sure, cool. And so that's, and then from that day on, we just became like brothers because we had to talk to each other every day. And, sure. And it's, it's, it's such a wonderful relationship and we really complement each other. So we, that, that's my side of the story. Yeah, yeah. We, we went through several prototypes over the years. Uh, and uh, yeah, the first one, I, actually, I still have the email of, of, of Eddie's first one that he has the, uh, has the, the drawing of the girls at his, at his uh, special effects place that they put together. And uh, it, w- it was really cool because it wasn't like, wasn't like you had an answer right away. It wasn't like it was already made. We had to fine tune it and make it so that the material was tight enough that it, it did its job. It wasn't that the neoprene didn't lose its elasticity, um, that the tab was long, but not too long, or, um, you know, it was just, it just, it was a, it was a fun process. I mean, finally, once you finally uh, uh, finalized the, the, the design and, and you know, uh, the, all the little details and stuff, you know, it was like, okay, now we can sell it. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, and that was, I just want to emphasize too, that was such an important part because when I had made the prototype, it was super thin neoprene and all this stuff. And then Neil, I think next to his business, there was a, a glove manufacturer and he started collaborating with that guy. And then he brought back the finalized prototype and it was totally different. It was, it felt so good. It was felt tight. It felt strong. So he really, you know, brought it home and it was like, wow, this is a product. This, this feels good. Yeah. That was such an important part of it. So uh, I, I got to thank Neil for injuring Eddie for coming out with such a good product. Thank you so much for injuring his fingers, man. <laughs> That's really generous of you. You could use that like, well, I meant it for, for some, some good, some good uh, willed spirited thing in the future. But um, uh, to educate someone like me, um, just a white belt here, but is there a particular preference or where you should start taping first? Cause I know there's about four fingers that you can fully tape and cover. If, if someone were to buy, is it better to have all four taped up or is it, is there like a pecking order of less injurious taping? The, the, the more common injuries are coming from, um, from my experience are from the, the ring finger and the middle finger. Okay. This is the, the, our first product called a double. A lot okay. of times um, people's pinkies stray, uh, in which you can use either the deuce or the triple. Um, and sometimes people use the triple for, for the index ring and middle. But, um, you know, our staple Ooh, product is always fingers. double. Yeah, what's that? I was just commenting on your black belt fingers. Uh, Lords of the Rings fingers, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Frodo Here's- been through some war. <laughs> Yeah. Years before Ludogear was invented, unfortunately. <laughs> they've got, yeah, they've got big knuckles. No. I'm sorry, Neil. But... No, it's okay. So now we also have this thing called the quad, which is, you know, you can do your all four fingers, which is almost like your thumbs are free. Um, and, and it keeps your fingers together. Like some days I, the, wearing the double is enough, but then also I might get my pinky caught in something and then I'll, I'll use uh, the triple. Um, as far as my personal preference, I'll go uh, double on the left and triple on the right. That's just me. 
but everybody's a little bit different depending on how your, your, your finger needs are. Yeah. I personally, I use the quad. I, I found, you know, I started with the double, then I went to triple. I found that any finger that was not covered got injured. So yeah. to me, it's like, I'm just going to go for the quad much like Russell Peters recently was talking about on the Joe Rogan show. The one day. The, huh? Yeah. The one, right. the one day. You saw that. You saw that. That's right. Oh yeah. yeah. The one day he didn't wear it. Yeah. And that's sure enough. That's similar to my experience. It's like whatever I left uncovered would was prone to injuries. So I'm just like, Oh, screw this. I'm going to, I'm going to wear my quads, you know? So. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, because the reason why I ask is I, I know, um, since you guys are the creators, uh, and, and again, I am only a white belt, but if, if you have one more active limb and, and gripping hand versus another one, which, Neil, thank you so much for breaking that down, um, because there's one hand that you only prefer two or three, and one hand you prefer three or four. Um, it, 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 without trying to be so calculus about this if you had a more active hand does that one require more taping or less taping or how would you guys advise someone who's looking at your website right now aside from the other awesome gear that you guys have but let's say we're talking about tape centricity right now i think actually it, it has something more to do with the with, with how your brain fires signals to your fingers mm. sometimes a person might reach for something and their brain doesn't say pinky go with it or, you know, or sometimes it says, okay, all four fingers do the same thing. And when sometimes a finger might stray. And, I, I, you know, so I think it's a not, not a one-size-fits-all sort of recommendation thing. Everybody's uh, body will do something a little bit different. Um, and that's why we have all these products. So that kind of, you know, and maybe you injure your pinky, get a, get a triple or a deuce. You know, or if you're like, if you're, if you're a... You know, if yours is just the index and middle finger that's always hurting you, get the get the double. You know, so um, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, and it's like it's kind of like how we all develop different jujitsu games. Is that is that we all have tendencies to to uh, move with strength in certain areas of our body, and some we have more balance, and some you know it's a mixed bag. So everybody's different. Okay. So, Anything to add to that, Eddie? Is that pretty much on point? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody differs. I mean, everybody has a different way of wearing it. For, I mean, Buchecha comes to mind. We actually, uh, he was introduced to our product in the United Arab Emirates by a guy that purchased our product out there. So, ADCC? Yeah. Uh, one of the sheiks, I guess. One of his, oh, it was, it was a Noriega's gym uh, in Abu Dhabi uh, or UAE. Um, yeah, he, yeah, let me see. We suddenly saw know. a video of him wearing it, or a picture of him. Nogera. Like, Whoa. It was the Nogera, Nogera uh, gym in in uh, Abu Dhabi. Oh, okay. Abu Dhabi? UAE, I know. And then um, I'm, I'm slow to think of these names, but right. I know that uh, but it's uh, Nogera. Yeah, but Leo Vieira goes there and teaches and and uh, the sheik invites him out and stuff. But my, my point is that we saw him and he, he usually tapes these two fingers. So, you know, when he wore our product, it was like these two fingers, you know, that that's all. So that was very much how he usually tapes his fingers. So however a person usually will, will tape is, is a good indication of how they, 
like that combination of digits to be together. So. Oh, that's well, that's good to know because um, for someone like me, who's going on to your website, then I, I go, well, should I go to four? Should I go with the deuce? You know, so that, that's good that we're getting that information. No, we'll go back to, to the human condition part now. Since you guys are partners, um, when you guys started this endeavor, because I know what it's like, because if you start a radio show or a podcast, you talk about it every single day, multiple times a day. Were you? Do you guys stop training now since you guys are like, dude, we're so married to each other. We talk about Luther Gear. Dude, I'm not going to roll with you at all anymore. Uh, or did you guys end up like oh, rolling more together? It was, it was almost like we're having our business meetings while we're rolling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. It was like when we see each other on the mats, when we train, you know, there's always something to talk about business. Sure. Um, I don't know. It's like we tried to do it on the phone. I mean, we both have very busy day jobs, like super busy. And every time we talk on the phone, we always get cut off because he's going through a canyon or something. We, we can't even complete a thought. So we find, or me personally, I find that the most productive time is that training because we're, we know we're going to be there at least three times a week or, yeah. or more. And then, you know, he'll say something about this idea or that idea. We'll, we'll have a meeting about it. Oh, sponsorship, this, that. And, you know, when we disagree, then we, then we roll. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> they always got to uh, always save a round for Eddie. That's the, that's how I do it. If I show up and there's like all these people I want to train with, I always, you know, I'm, I've got Eddie in my, in my, in my list of people to train with that day. He's there. And so. you know, we, we're, we're actually really, our pers personalities gel really well. And I think, and I, and I love Neil. It's like, he's become this guy, you know, at a certain age, you know, you think you're not going to form any more kind of deep connecting relationships. Sure. You have your grade school friends, you have your family, you have your coworkers, you know, that, that you meet. And, but Neil came late in my life and man, he's like, he's like family. So he's my brother. Really Eddie's my cool. brother. Yeah. Really we talk about brother. everything. Yeah. yeah. We talk about, we talk about, Eddie taught me how to, how to be an investor. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> the big thing because a guy like me needs to know stuff like that. Anyway, yeah, totally. Funny enough, your brother does it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, but sometimes Neil, you listen to outside people before you're the closest degree of separation, right? So you right. need someone outside like Eddie, who's now become like your brother. So That's yeah, right. you need that man. Yeah, yeah. Is it uh, more like parallel thinking, or is it more like opposite ends? That's why it works, or is it a combination of both? Well, it's 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 a combination of both. A lot of it's it's par what's parallel is our objectives. Okay. What's our ideas are the ones that are that are split, but that's good because we know that our ideas don't have to be, um, you know, whatever it is that we have we have ideas, different ideas about doing things. But at the end of the day, we want the same thing to happen. We want success for Ludicure. You know, so um, so we don't have we don't push necessarily to have one thing a certain way. No, it's it's a good. It's like a, it's like an ongoing harmonious conversation. So it's that's hard to find, fellas. Yeah, I, I've been through the gambit of like radio hosts. Some some due to my inexperience, the way I act. Some to them. So it, it it's good that when when you guys can actually find someone you have actual. Hey, it's about the product, not me. So we say right. in radio, it's about the audience, not about us. You know that, that that's a really powerful thing. 
Um, yeah, the, the cool thing about it is we never let our egos get in the way. Uh, and Neil will come up with the craziest idea, but I never put it down on it. We try it. You know what I mean? I always open-minded, try it. I'll come up with a crazy idea. I like, let's try it. You know, we're very open-minded, complimentary yeah. to each other. And that's, that's what's so cool about it, I think. So. Yeah. We encourage crazy ideas between each other. Because yeah. that's the stuff that, that makes it work. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system that's so complicated, you never use it. That's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. Head to simplysafe.com forward slash team. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com forward slash T-E-A-M and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash team. It feels good to fear less. A lot of people, you know, because it, it's such a like a rancid world of content creation like uh you guys are also involved in projects now we'll we'll talk about the first one that i knew about that you guys were putting out was the garrett scott story mm-hmm. about jujitsu how involved were you guys with those projects very that that kind of spawned from um well you know i've been in the movie business for all of my life and most people that are in the movie business also made movies as children you know for hobbies or, or whatnot. So um, I think Neil and I were talking about marketing ideas and stuff and maybe commercials and stuff. And then the Garrett Scott story, I think he was already using our product, uh, yeah. Neil, and he liked it. And then I was, I remember having lunch with my wife, Joanna, and she was saying, Oh, Oh, this MMA guy. Oh, he's deaf. He likes your product. And then she suddenly said, you know, deaf people communicate with their fingers. Your, your product is about fingers. And it kind of started off from that, like, oh, yeah. And it started just going. And I, th- I think I had a talk with Neil and say, hey, Neil, what if we did something? And all, all I was thinking about was at the end that he would sign Ludigear, you know, with, with his hands. And it just kind of grew from that. And Neil was like, yeah, what if we, you know, made a biography or did something, you know, expanded it. And I think it started there or something. And, grew into this piece that was, you know, it wasn't going to be a commercial by any means, but, and we wanted to really showcase Garrett and his incredible life and his challenges. And, you know, he just happened to like the product and wear the stuff too, you know? So that's kind of how it came about. You, you, for you, Neil, what was, was it new or, or how much did you have to endure mentally? Cause I, I do video projects and it's a mother to handle, man. It's, uh, it's I have lot. to give all the credit to Eddie on that. Cause, um, you know, we did, I'm, I'm, I don't know much about, um, making films or, or videos. Um, but we did collaborate on a lot of the, the subject ideas or yeah, Eric Scott. I mean, there, it is an inspiration. The, the movie itself is an inspiration to people that, um, you know, that feel like they've been born with, or he wasn't born with it. He actually lost his hearing as a baby. Um, but, you know, people that are different would have, they have different um, uh, gifts and handicaps. Let's 
what's the word? Not that word, handicap, but something. You know, there's something about them that makes them a little bit different, and it's it's a uh, uh, it's it's one of those movies or short films that that show you, hey, you know, doesn't mean that you can't do this or you can't learn jujitsu because a lot of times your professor has to talk to you, but you. If Garrett Scott can do it and he's hearing impaired, there's no reason why other people can't train jiu-jitsu, can't learn it. You know, I've, never, I've heard of a blind grappler and I, and I, I think it's a, it's a very kinesthetic process and listening process. And um, with Garrett, I know a lot of it was his visual and, uh, you know, kinesthetic learning as well. So yeah, what's, what's cool is that I remember when we were talking about it, you know, <clears throat> Neil and I were just getting to know each other and getting to know each other better and so on. And then he, I was trying to explain to him how, you know, well-connected I was in the film industry, meaning I know editors, I know cameramen, I know, you know, I work in the industry. So I could just imagine that he's like, okay, Eddie, you're, you're crazy. And I, I don't know, I've never seen you make a film or whatever. He didn't know that side of me and that just that he trusted it. And, but Neil is a wealth of, MMA knowledge and, and fighter knowledge and he had so much to, he, he always knows, Hey, you know, you should talk to this guy. We should do this. We should interject this or show that. So he always has that extra knowledge that kind of sprinkles on top of all the projects. It's like, Oh yeah. I mean, Neil found our first sponsor, you know, Kevin Casey. And I was like, Oh really? You know, he uses our product. Wow. He's like, yeah, hey, we yeah. should sponsor. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Sponsored athlete, wow, you know. So Neil always has these really creative uh, ideas and, and ex huge depth of knowledge with fighters. Like he knows everybody too, and he's very well connected. Like we we'll go to a tournament, hey Neil, it's just like everybody's saying hi to him. Very cool. Uh, Besides being the executive producer and, and putting you know the money into the film and all that stuff, so. Yeah, for, for the listening audience, and if you guys are going to be viewing this on whichever platform this is released on also, um, Garrett was, I, I mean, there's so much that you can admire just because he's deaf, right? Was there anything new at, once post-production hit that you re-admired about Garrett that you go, I didn't think about that, but because I shot this production, I found more stuff to admire about Garrett Scott. Absolutely. And uh, in the deaf community in general, like I was, I was oblivious to it, you know, the deaf community, they don't see themselves as having a handicap. They think of it as another language, which is really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. That was one of the, the main things I learned, uh, which was beautiful. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, another thing I learned is a lot of people learn things um, from kind of secondary uh, sensors, right? So for instance, you're washing the dishes and you're listening to the radio and you hear the news report. You're washing dishes, but you learn what happened that day in the news or whatever, because you're absorbing it through a secondary process. Deaf people don't have that. And, uh, you know, there, he had some funny anecdotal stories about, about certain incidences like that. And they have to be very direct about things, you know, because they, like I said, they can't hear the television going on in the background. They can't hear the, your mother calling you or, or something. So, you know, those things are where they're not going to be able to learn any new information from. So everything has to be like right in front of you. Okay, it's learning time. There's a very direct 
he, he was telling me a story about how his friend uh, would always talk about, I think like, like Tom or something and Tom this, Tom that. Years later, he never knew Tom was a cat. It was a family pet. He goes, <laughs> you, you, name your, you, you name your pets? Like he didn't know that. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's so cool. So then he, he, I think he ran home to his mom. He says, did you know Tom was a cat? <laughs> it was a funny story. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just funny the things we take for granted and how we interpret things in the world with all of our yeah. senses. Yeah. But, the, the Jared Scott story was, was excellent. I think that a lot of us take for granted our ability to hear and kind of really paying attention to the short film of Garrett, and the story of Garrett Scott. It's kind of like, it opens up your eyes to another dimension that that's kind of like, you don't, you don't get a chance to, to taste. You don't get a chance to, to understand, you know? So that was, it was, it was really cool that, that, you know, it was a really cool story. We're, we're happy about that. Yeah. And it's amazing for me to let you guys know in this moment, I did not know that deaf people found themselves like, yo, this is like a slang. This is like addiction. This is like <laughs> another language. Okay. Don't, don't do that. You know, we're, 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 we're something else, dude. We're special, you know, we yeah. have our own thing. That's, that's how they felt about it, which is good to hear. <clears throat> Sorry, well, I cut you off. No, no, I, I just wanted to add in, they're so proud that they, they speak this other language that, and, and this is probably a personal thing, but they, when they have a child, they, they hope that it's born deaf, you know, so they, they, they can speak to it. And then that's how much they, they like their language and their, their, their secret little world and stuff. So it's not by any means anything that is uh, negative. And while we were shooting it, they, they said they hoped that doctors would be educated so that if a child is born deaf, the doctor is not like somber and it's a negative thing. It's like, well, parents, you're going to learn another language. You know, that's how they put it. So it's really, it's really cool. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a mixed baby. He's Hawaiian, Filipino, white, okay? Exactly. That's it, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Don't look too much into it, all right? We just want yeah. another Hawaiian-Portuguese baby. That's it. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, so that's cool. Um, I, I know we can't relinquish as much, so we can give a little bit of a soup and salad to your next project, which is uh, with Jean-Jacques Machado. And before we touch on that, I just – I praise Jean-Jacques so much because, he, you know, with uh, as I was mentioning with Eddie, I have six herniated discs on my neck, plus I'm diabetic, so I'm recurring, like, frozen shoulder and adhesive capsulitis, which is why I barely train. Um, Jean-Jacques was the only – I don't say this to disparage the other schools or other instructors, but he's the guy that goes, okay, go train with Charles. Be careful. He has a neck injury. Like, he was constantly on top of people caring for me right so I, I wanted to maybe you guys can share a little bit of something about John Jocks that people who don't train with JJ that they don't know like how awesome he is or any compliments that you guys want to lob to the viewers and listening audience about JJ that they may not know either yeah there's the there's uh I'm sure it's a laundry he, list but yeah there, there, there's a laundry list but to touch on something like I, I one of the things that I appreciate the most is that is that there's uh it's not just techniques. If I, if I really simplify it in a statement, it's not just techniques. It's, 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 it's body placement, body dynamics. It's a little bit of psychology. 
It's, you know, it's, and all these things, you know, when you're learning, when you're learning jujitsu from Janjak, it's, it's, you have to keep your eyes and ears, you know, attentive, open and listening because you'll miss some really good stuff. It's easy to miss really cool things because there's like great information just flying in and out of the mat. And it's like, wow, you just said that. So. Yeah, yeah the, just. the one thing that, that I was learning um, as, you know, we're, we're working on this next project with him and I got to spend a lot of time with him and there's, there were so many questions I had because he's kind of mysterious too. He doesn't really open up about his personal life and things. I mean, you can find things online and find bits and pieces of his story, but uh, our next project is really going to kind of blow that open. And I think that's what's so cool. And so, for instance, one thing that I always wondered about is like on his Instagram, he'll share a lot of this philosophy and stuff. You know, it's like, you know, if you didn't, something like if you didn't achieve your dreams today, you know, take a breath and try again. Or, you know, a lot of philosophical stuff, a lot of positive energy. I'm just, I was wondering, does he copy these quotes from somewhere? Does he post them? <laughs> Is this from him, you know? And so recently we were shooting stuff with him. So I got, I got to spend uh, a lot of time with him on the airplane and so on and talk to him. He is sharp, very sharp mind, very deep thinker, thinks about a lot of stuff. Very fair, presents, you know, controversial issues from both sides uh, but no ego. It's like, you can talk to him. You can ask him about anything. He's so down to earth and cool to talk about it and very educational. Like he thinks about things in a way that I don't necessarily think about. So, and we, we talk about everything like life goals, money, women, children, family. And it's, 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 he has amazing perspective on all of this. And he wasn't necessarily given uh, 100% of his faculties to start with either. You know, he, he started at a, what some may con consider a disadvantage, but nobody around him supported that he was born with a disadvantage. And that was the mentality. And he grew up not knowing he was at a disadvantage. And that, that's what's so cool and inspiring. And I think through our next project, uh, uh, people will get to learn a lot more about him. So, yeah, you know how Anthony Bourdain, uh, christened Philippines, the best park ever, like yeah. Jean-Jacques Machado is like the best 40 and up school ever. Like <laughs> yeah. Yo Yoshi, uh, like I look at him and be like, you, okay, go make me a sushi roll and he'll beat the shit out of me in 2.1 <laughs> seconds. You know, he'll let me pass his guard and boom, there goes his yeah, Japanese yeah. shins <laughs> on my neck yeah. and then, oh, okay, I, I posted my arm out, boom, it's, it's, it's wrapped up and it's in a reverse arm bar. Okay, all right, Yoshi, right. <laughs> my bad. He'll catch you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so many killers, but it, it, it's... Because I feel like jujitsu, there's a lot, a lot of boxingisms behind it. Meaning they're just athletes, so they're just tr kill, kill, kill. With a JJ's, uh, I don't know you guys, but I feel like there's always a kinship now that I can mention to you guys. I've, I trained there for almost a year, 
You know, it's just, oh, okay, it's like fraternal. You know, it's like Jeep drivers or Bronco drivers. It's like, hey, 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 hey. You know, so that's, I think that's one thing that's starting to get lost, or at least it's separating, where this is the friendly school. There's killers there, but, you know, we, we can barbecue together too. <laughs> right, right. You know, so that's a great thing. Um, I know I've taken a lot of your time, guys. No, no possibly, worries. possibly, oh. like with Robert Drysdale, we can do a part two once the product, the project is released. We can Absolutely. talk about it some more and promote it some more. That would be awesome. Um, what, uh, where can they find Luta Gear and you guys if they had any personal questions? Like, hey, like you know, kind of like the advice I asked, whether if it's a it's a tour or a four or or anywhere where they can get a hold of you guys. Uh, I would say uh, we're on Amazon. Also, uh, just the website is is a uh, is an always it's always a good source. Uh, Lutagear.com. L-U-T-A-G-E-A-R.com. Nice. And we're on Instagram. Lutagear official. Instagram, yeah, Lutagear official on Instagram. Uh, that's that's a great source. What else? So far, no one's uh, sweated you guys for uh, cultural appropriation for using luta as a word, right? Thank God fighters are all okay-minded, and they're not like Antifa yeah, rebels. Right? Yeah, yeah, I got to say, it was, it was in getting the name. You couldn't really trade. You could trademark your logo, but using you can't say luta belongs to you because it's a word. Sure. That's not a name. It's a, it's a word. It's a fight, but it's in Portuguese. So, you know, you can say Ludagir, put it together, and you can trademark that. But it was a whole lot of a big learning process and, and you know, what you yeah. can actually call yours. <laughs> no, this whole thing is, I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure many people have water cooler discussions at work. And it's like, oh, we should do this. We should start a business. Oh, I have this idea for a product. And, you know, that's the easy part. That's the fun part. But having the discipline to go through with all of the stuff you have to go through, my God, just, you know, incorporating the name and the, the trademarking, because you know, we have artwork kind of, you know, logos and all that stuff, trademarking that stuff. I mean, just the legal trying to knock off your product and it's such a learning curve and it's so much more yeah. work than you expected making the product and coming with ideas like, like this, sure. the rest of it's, you know, and no, it's no wonder a lot of things don't get off the ground and they just stay ideas and so on. But it's really the discipline and tenacity you have to have to keep moving forward. And I think that's what our jujitsu experience kind of teaches us to patience and keep going forward. I mean, and without a brother like Neil, where we can just vent to each other and, and break your fingers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, but we have, we have a lot of great experiences. We're just giggling like little girls. It's just like, Oh my yeah, God, yeah. Gordon Ryan. Oh my God. Did you see Buchecha? Are we going to see Buchecha today? It's like, you know, we're big nerds for this stuff and very yeah. passionate about it. Like, going to train at black house oh my god you know that's huge yeah. yeah for a while we we were visiting academies and promoting our product and we just haven't we got we should get back into that maybe after this covid thing yeah you know we'll go back to like going in and visit academies and training with everybody and then promoting our product a little bit but that was fun too with the 10th planet and, and 
Yeah, yeah. We have a list of people we got to visit. But it, it, that's part of the journey, and those are the, the great experiences that we, we share. But there's a lot of work, you know, a lot of our calls and, and stuff with each other is like making tough decisions on things. And um, so we, you know, I, I think relying on each other has, has helped get us this far and sharing in the joys and, and getting frustrated and pissed off when things aren't working out. And uh, I think we had a recent, uh, we found this counterfeit item and I was, I was so happy about it actually. So being the designer, I was like, wow, somebody liked it enough. To Imitation. Rip it off. Yeah. 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 But, we uh, finally were able to legally shut them down. And, uh, you know, it was, we, I was, I was pissed. I, I was like, sign me up, find out where he's, where he's competing. Cause I'll, I'll go. <laughs> totally. I won't let go. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, it, 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 the, the name Luta gear, um, depicts like knowledge, you know, it depicts like a very rich, um, solidified love for, martial arts so i'm glad you know you guys got to paint the picture for the listening audience a bit of your back i feel like i could talk to you guys and do a joe rogan episode to be honest with you like a full <laughs> three hour blast of like martial arts and historical talk um i i feel like the product is also you know one of those things that's mercedes maybach level it's it's well done i'm looking forward to buying a few items from you guys and i Thanks. really 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 appreciate the time you know uh in sharing a little bit of the life story and also you know the projects that are upcoming and also the products that you guys are slanging right yeah. now it's awesome thank you for having us charles yeah, yeah. so part two i'm gonna hold you guys to that okay we're on absolutely once the, once the project is released so uh we'll, we'll keep in touch hey, behind the scenes hey charles I, I i know you're trying to be you know, tiptoe around it, but you know, we can talk about it a little bit if you want. Oh, okay. Just introduce um, it and you know. You guys you guys still have some time? Yeah. yeah. Minutes. yeah like, okay, well let's talk about it then because um uh why don't you guys brief me on let's not discuss why because I think we all know that John Jocks is such a giant legend, right? But yeah, but that as as to maybe what spawned it what, and, and, and what, what gears took place to go, you know what, fuck it, let's do it. So we were, we were finishing up the Garrett Scott story and much to the credit to my uh, co-director, CJ, CJ Sato, who edited the film, uh, I decided to throw it into some film festivals, right? Just, just let's see what happens. And we ended up winning 10 awards for it. And we ended up there. They had this uh, big showing in Hollywood. You know, it was a short film. So we entered it into Holly Shorts. And they had this big festival where they pre premiered it along with other documentaries and shorts and so on. And uh, Neil and I got our little taste of paparazzi and stuff. And it was, it was fun, you know. Yeah. So I think there was like a side conversation. Hey, what should we do next, Neil? And we both thought, well, we should do our master, right? John Dog is like, he's, he supported Ludigear uh, from the very beginning, just never yeah. asked for anything in return. He's like, wow, you made this product. You know, what do you need me to do? You want to put on Instagram? And they're like, oh, well, you can, would you do a photo shoot with, uh, for us? And, and I think that got us 
much quicker out into the public eye, you know, having Jean-Jacques put your product on. The BJJ community is incredible. I don't, I don't care what people say about Gordon Ryan. Him and Gary Tonin were at a seminar that we went to. He knew that we were making a product or whatever. He just threw that thing off. Yeah. He yeah. put on a our couple of real guys. Really cool guys. You know, I, I think all the stuff they say is just for a show, you know, and cause controversy. So I'll never forget that. So generous of Gordon and Gary. Um, but Jean-Jacques, you know, kicked us off, you know, and we did like super professional photo shoots with him and put him in magazines and all this stuff. And he was just so cool about it and down to earth. So yeah, natural next subject. So our next subject uh, basically is the film's called Relentless um, and it's the Jean-Jacques Machado story. And it was slated for a uh, 2020 release uh, later this year, but with COVID that's kind of put a dent into a lot of our plans. We've shot about, I would say 50, 60% of it. Um, but yeah, uh, we're not totally sure of the release date yet, but we're trying to get it out sooner rather than later, especially if there's a second wave of COVID and people stuck at home, you know, it'd be perfect for them to have something to watch and, and so on. And John Jock feels the same way. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's the next thing that we're doing. Anything to add to that, Neil, as to why maybe at least? Um, uh, oh, I mean, pretty much said it all. Uh, yeah. Well, because we, you know, with, with Jean-Jacques, a, a lot of people, you know, even, even people in our age group, we forget because it's such a fast paced social media world now. You know, uh, with Master Jean Jacques, he's just—I mean, he—he he deserves all the accolades. Not that the other Machado brothers don't, but Jean Jacques is just that special. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, look at, think about the the the, the empire that Eddie built with with Tenth Planet, and that all happened underneath Jean Jacques tutelage. You know, Eddie was uh, uh, Eddie did his. his uh, Eddie, Eddie did his, uh, his win, um, uh, and uh, you know, all of it just came from, from learning from Jean-Jacques. So. Yeah, and, and Jean-Jacques is so open and helpful with people. As, as we're getting to experience firsthand with this product, you know, I could just picture him with Eddie, and Eddie's like, Jean-Jacques like seeing him develop this thing, and all he's doing is supporting it. He's like, no, do this, no, put your foot here. Yeah, this would work better here. Like, I could totally see how somebody like Eddie Bravo probably couldn't have created his empire under at a different school or something. You know, it's like you got to have the open heartedness of Jean Jacques, open mindedness, the support uh, that with his, you know, without his personality, Jean Jacques being the way he is, I don't, I don't know that. Eddie could have, there could have been an Eddie Bravo, you know? So that's why he's so incredible. And, um, and, and I think that's a lot of the reason why we need to see this film. You know, it's not, it's not just about his hand. You see everything, you know, there's so much media out there, the hand, the hand, the hand. Well, what's, what's everything else like, you know? Sure. That's what's going to be really interesting. So. So there's several layers. It's, it's, that goes beyond the icing. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There's, and you know, I'm shooting and I get to see firsthand what's going on. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of really great story there, you know, and I'm glad we can tell it. So. Well, awesome. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are starting to involve themselves in jujitsu. Um, I'm talking to this guy. I'll, I'll send you guys a link to this project. I was talking to Eddie about Neil, um, where I hired like, I followed like the next, the Netflix specs for cameras and audio and all that. So I'll probably need your input, both of your input for that. But yeah, I'm excited that, uh, the content is also under good hands, experienced people, um, finger breakers like Neil, uh, <laughs> monster makers like Eddie, you know, uh, it, it's such a beautiful creative uh, asset to be put out there. So like you guys, you guys are so many layers to, to, to loot the gear, right? You know, it's awesome. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted. I wanted. I just thought of this now. I know it's kind of later in the in, the, in like the story, but sure. Uh, Jean Jacques has uh, his roots come with it a great history, which is which is a, a really intriguing part of the of the story, um, and it's it just also talks about the history of jujitsu too. So there's a, there's a lot of that in there that you got, you got to see. Ah, okay. Okay, because the Machados, I interviewed Higgin Machado, man. I mean, he he had a lot of off-mic stuff. Yeah, where yeah. He didn't want to put on, you know, on air. It's like, dude, this this Machado last name, we had some problems, man, because we were doing jujitsu, And I'll yeah. keep it at that. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so Great it's history. awesome. Yeah. yeah, rich, very rich, right? You know, so. Well, thanks again, you guys. Um it's, it goes to show that we were supposed to end it like 11 minutes ago, but you guys owe me another pod. <laughs> yes. Yeah, awesome. All right. Signing off for right now. Thank you. Mu- thank you guys so much. Uh, Lutagear.com. Go support. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into the show and please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We're also available on your favorite directories aside from iTunes, such as Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, Luminary and tune in. You can find us at believe.com. That's B L E A V E.com. And Believe Podcasts on social media. Now, if you want to get at me personally, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Plug12. That's P L U G O N E T W O. Hit me up and I'll read your questions or maybe even have you on the show. Believe in the fight game. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.